Hi, I'm Joe Lynch, director of such cinematic classics as Wrong Turn 2, Knights of Badastum, Everly, and of course the new film, Mayhem. And when I'm not masturbating to Sasquatch porn, I'm listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Ooh, it feels so good. Consciousness, like a bad dream you can't wake from. This is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that appreciates a tie that can be both fashionable and functional. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're closing out 2023 as we party like it's 1999 by talking 1995's Strange Days. And uh, whether you've jacked in or not, uh, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your squid hole. Uh, <laughs> you can find us squiddling, <laughs> but not diddling. No. no not diddling, just squiddling, just squiddling on social media. Squidding around. <laughs> you can find us on a Twitter at Nightmare Junk. I'm just squidding. Is it going to be like that the entire time? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, you weren't even like that when we were watching know, right? the movie. The, the mics kick on and all of a sudden. I was just engaged. Well, you know what? We are engaging on both Blue Sky and Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead, but we will only engage with an events tab on the Book of Ace, which leads us to shenanigans and clip show shenanigans. And as this episode is going to be releasing on Friday, December 29th, uh, if you find yourself in the Kansas City area, Head on over to Screenland.com, where they will have just the squidly uh, shenanigans taken care of. Indoors. And that is it. That's all. But uh, better yet, squid your way on over to the Friday Night Fright tab. And the Friday this episode releasing. Mm-hmm. This is uh, the, Friday, <laughs> the Friday this episode is releasing. I think it's that. That's throwing me off. Mm-hmm. It's the anticipation mm-hmm. of seeing that with a crowd. Oh, man, I can't uh, wait for the, the, the turn. The Boom. journey and the turn. Yeah. And it's intimidating. It is Takashi Miike's audition, and that is closing out uh, the Friday Night Frights for 2023. Mm-hmm. But looking forward to the first Friday Night Fright of 2024. Opening up with a banger. A classic. Weirdly enough, though, audition made it all the way to the finals mm-hmm. of Into the Mouth of March Madness. This classic got knocked down the first round. <laughs> admittedly, admittedly, it was the shining going up against the fog. Uh-uh-uh. The shining. The you sh- don't want to get sued. <laughs> <laughs> and if you show up early, yes, there will be bits and pieces of The Simpsons Treehouse of Horrors, mm-hmm. a lot of the good stuff, but that is one that definitely brings out a crowd because it is beloved. And it is truly something that, especially I think now looking back on it, really appreciate Shelley Duvall's performance in it. Oh, and the strongest thing is that Ash, that's uh, during her monologue, that thing, is, that thing is industrial strength, madness. It's made out of like Spider-Man's webbings. It's become a meme. Mm-hmm. And when, you, when you've become a meme, mm-hmm. you know you've made it. Over. <laughs> uh, but then looking forward, or I should say looking to... Uh, the other repertory screenings that are happening on the weekend of the 29th, one that we saw in the theater, mm-hmm. one that I believe was probably one of the first five episodes of this show. Podcast, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and actually is going to actually have a follow up here in 2024. Yeah. Which I've avoided the trailer. But if you didn't have a chance to see Mad Max Fury Road on the big screen. It, I, it is not mediocre is at not all. Shardy and Chrome. You, we had the biggest grins on our face throughout mm-hmm. that film, upon exiting the film, and even talking about that film, it still inspires me with that feeling of wonder, the absurdity of it, winning prizes beforehand. Oh, it was great, it was too, great. because like I remember I hosted it one time, and I went out and I bought some um, Baker spray paint, right? And, and I, went, I went, ah, witness! I went up in front. Witness me, shiny and chrome. 
it's a film that inspires that kind of a hosting mm-hmm. aesthetic. It's phenomenal. You need to see it up on the big screen. See it loud and loud. Large. Loud. It will be in theater one. Fucking fifty foot do for your hell yeah. Yeah. Now well, then the uh, the uh, non repertory screenings uh, probably going into their second weekend will be um, Poor Things and The Iron Claw, mm. which fifty foot Carrie Von Eric. Right. Which technically is fifty foot. Fifty foot uh, Eisen Zach, if if they ever decided to make a live action He Man, like I could see him doing that, but like campy, like as in like the Adventures of Prince Adam and stuff. Sure, yeah, yeah. I, I have I understand it's very Oscar worthy. He but yeah, puts in a, perform- a powerhouse performance. Uh, very much looking forward to seeing that. Uh, so we hope to see you out there being festive with the Screenland Film Family. Mm-hmm. Uh, but genius, if we're talking film family. Hey. Bellies. We have our own uh, collection of film family gathered over at Patreon. And as it is our last episode, thought we would give every one of those pallies a shout out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so p- pardon our French, pardon our pronunciations, but uh, pallies, uh, you're all awesome. We're going to start with Chad. Hooter. Uh, Joel Mack. Julie. Lisa. Diana. Michael. Charles. Heather. Jesse. Andrea. Tim. Michelle. Carly. April, Dustin, Stuart, Attack of the Killer Podcast, Lauren, Marnie, Bobby, Jim, Riley, Brian, Dude, JT, JT, Brian, Robert, Noel, Marley, Spencer, Luke, Mar- that was Marie, ah, Marie, listen, we're old, our eyes are going bad, uh, downright creepy, Arthur, the movies that don't suck and some that do podcast, Carla, Greg, Caroline, Jonathan, and and brick, brick nose, nose. <laughs> motherfucking brick nose hell yeah you guys all of our listeners are rad but you pallies in particular of course you know you're fucking rad and if you're on the another time or another place tier uh, you're gonna have access to this month's commentary our present merry christmas pig <laughs> we technically did an episode on it on the main feed but to actually do a, a commentary for cobra yeah it is the time. It is the place. Especially with Mount Baldy, all the shenanigans that ensued. It's it's a fun movie. Mm-hmm. It's a fun movie. It is a very horror adjacent. So, but it's scary. It's good. Brian Thompson, raw and it exercise should, everything. Well, what's really great is regardless of your tier, uh, you're going to technically be able to have a Brian Thompson Christmas. Mm-hmm. As I watched uh, for the first time, Doctor Mordred. Oh, I want to see that one with Jeffrey Combs. Yes. And basically Charles Band's Doctor Strange. Yes. And Brian Thompson is the heavy in it. Nice. He gets to to act. Really? In this. Huh. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Abracadabra, so, pig. So have yourself a very merry Brian Thompson Christmas, all mm-hmm. of you pallies. And we're going to stuff your stocking with pizza scissors. <laughs> Still perplexing. Mm-hmm. Still perplexing. Uh, so to have access to that and so much more, head on over to Nightmare, excuse me, Patreon.com slash Nightmare Junkhead. And again, in the month of January, we're loaded for bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to have our request and review. Yes. The normal commentary, new horror episodes. The Shutter Shoutout is coming back. Yes. So looking forward to all that and then some. Now, in terms of looking forward, New Year's, mm-hmm. New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, the whole pomp and circumstance of New Year's. Mm-hmm. Be it in the reflection, looking back, looking forward. That's the thing. It's right in between. Yeah. And it's that time to take stock and to try to figure out what worked, what didn't. And I know for some people, a lot of people, it's that time to make the uh, the resolutions. Yeah. Of which, of course. Do you course, make resolutions? No. Oh, because fuck no, I don't either. I, and is, is it because you know you won't keep them? Right. Or is it just that, you know, if you put out those expectations. Right. I don't like to be disappointed with myself or in others. You know, I set my, not that I set myself at a high standards, but at the same time, like if I know that I'm not going to do it, but, I have somewhat goals like, man, I'm hoping to do this, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to be like, yeah, I'm going to do it. You know what I'm saying? Because then like, if, if I don't, then I'm like, fuck. Well, it's, and I think that's because it's technically resolutions are supposed to better your yourself mm-hmm. better your life in a way ideally otherwise you wouldn't be addressing right whatever the resolution should be looking into and i mention that because it's always been a tough one for me because i, I try to be open and honest with myself um try to be open and honest with our listeners you know mm-hmm. with all my friends and you know and i think a lot of our listeners out there 
And they have their ups and downs with, you know, just the mental health. Yeah. And there are a number of things that I'm always during the New Year's going, okay, you need to address this. You need to do this. Shit, I've we've talked about it in this uh, throughout the 400 some odd episodes, the Shaun of the Dead episode. Yeah. I talked about I needed to sort my life out. I've maintained since then. I've taken a few steps here and there, but nothing truly to make forward real significant progress. And I'm thankful that genre has been able to help me address it. But I need something, though, that's like that that next step. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's putting it out here like it is for our listenership or even just to myself for accountability. But the thing that have gotten me by, the thing that I've been able to maintain is because of the show and the movies that we take in and our, our love of cinema and how it helps us cope. Yeah. And that it is part of the therapy and what we get from it. Again, the baggage we bring. Uh, that's not to get too heavy at no. the start of the episode, but it's also, again, you know, this it's the last episode of the year. It's time to look back and reflect. Yeah, I would rather move forward, mm-hmm. honestly, because, like, I know for right now, I'm trying to get back to where I was. Mm-hmm. Then I can move on, you know? So mm-hmm. right now, my main, like, goal resolution is... As in, like, Godzilla, get back from minus one. Yeah. You know? So I need to get back into zero, and then I can, like, okay, now what do I want to do? You know? Now what can I improve on in the the finer details? So, like, that's my main, like, focus and push for 2024, you know? is just Mm -hmm. getting back to somewhat normalcy. Mm -hmm. I'm actually... I'll be honest. I'm actually going to start putting stuff back up on my fridge and actual, like, goals because Mm -hmm. there is something very satisfying about checking off one of those goals yeah when you have accomplished something and i'll be honest it's not only for me mentally it's also kind of cosmetically for like myself just getting into better health my my house Mm -hmm. i'm being honest you know we've we record over here now so i you can still come into my place it looks very livable but it's it's not host worthy and I feel bad about that. Oh, like this that, is host-worthy? You know? Dude, this, like- is, this is comfortable, though, man. But, like, literally, there's certain things that I have not done that have needed to be done for many many eons that I'd like to think now. I'm holding myself accountable by putting it on mm-hmm. the show, putting it out in the, the universe to just make some measurable forward momentum. And it can be minuscule, but it needs to be forward. So yeah. these are little things that I'm going to try to address. And as always, one of those things is seeking out like new films or at least going back to a lot of these old films. But what I really like what we did with this particular episode is there are actually a number of horror, straight horror, New Year's Eve-based films. Mm-hmm. Of which we haven't really talked about on the main feed on the main feed no but i know we did terror train as a shutter shut out uh-huh we did new year's evil ones we didn't do new year's evil we haven't evil. done new year's you know evil you know why why it's and i've seen that uh mhm oh yeah uh-huh it's like not I, as sleazy as i thought it would be all i know is it's got the guy from uh, killer clowns from outer space and hard bodies so it's got that going for it oh, right on right on <laughs> but when we're putting together uh the month of programming I specifically threw this one out. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, based on the director of the film, who's got crazy horror pedigree. Absolutely horror pedigree. Number two, it veers into interesting kind of adjacent territory, which we actually kind of enjoy going into. Yeah. Be it like post-apocalyptic, going back to Mad Matt. Mm-hmm. We actually kind of defended. I think if I think if we can say post-apocalyptic is horror, I would say that we can go on the opposite side and go futuristic is horror, uh, or almost like even like dystopian, dystopian in a way. horror. Yeah, mm-hmm. where that where the society is right on the precipice of collapsing and burning, or maybe just maybe there's a sliver of hope there. Right, and you and honestly, you see that a lot especially in times of despair. And one of the things that we love with genre is that it's a great reflection of what is happening in society and making it something that we can maybe start to process and open up some dialogue and discussion with. Bad times bring out great art. Mm -hmm. The art is reflective of society. Mm -hmm. There there is benefits in the humanities in terms of being able to be... I don't want to say 
not media literate by any means, but, but a little bit more to... culture, be able to see a little, be able to Uh-oh. see like, um, like, hey, I can see that these tropes are going on, or I can dive a little bit more than just surf, uh, appreciating things more than just surface value. Well, I think because we're horror fans, that anyone that's outside of horror, we typically sometimes ha- not necessarily defend what we enjoy, mm-hmm. but when we say there is artistic merit to it, right? We have to put on or put the pinky out. It might be trash, but, but it's our trash. Damn it. Well, there, but there, there are standout films out there that are very reflective of some of the just the heinousness that happens in just in society in general, mm-hmm. just in the world, and that's why number two, the reason I wanted to look into this one because I hadn't seen it in ages. Yeah, it's been a minute for me too. But I remember it being very prescient at the time. Going, oh, that kind of puts his finger on the pulse there, right? And then number three. I remember it was loaded with the cast. Oh yeah, stack cast. Just and I, I had a feeling we would have a number of those Rick Dalton like, kind of hey! moments. But at first, it starts with Catherine Bigelow. Welcome back. We've actually we did a, an episode uh, near dark mm-hmm. with Katie Glidewell, I believe. Yeah, we've actually done a lot because it was on March Madness. Um, we, we and that's just the and thing. we've done hostings of it. Well, near dark. I mean, it is. For some, the vampire film from 1987, mm-hmm. a year loaded with riches. But quite honestly, just with Catherine Bigelow, even this year, I had a chance. I took in um, The Loveless for the first time, which was her feature film debut. Mm-hmm. Uh, mentioned it before. It's got. It's actually got Willem Dafoe's very first starring role. That's the uh, Raven. It's the. It is. It's Raven the Raven Origins. Origin. It's incredible. But you see so much of her style. In the film, and the fact that then that was in 1981, and then in 1987 she puts out Near Dark, and I, I mean Near Dark for me, and I think I even mentioned it, I would have had to at that point, but it was a litmus test film for me, mm-hmm. because if I could throw out any number of like Bill Paxton's lines, right. and someone picked up on it, I'm like, ah, oh, you know Near Dark, and it was also just so weird in a way because it was an equal parts western. Vampires, Vampires, uh, neo-noir. There's a lot of stuff going on on with it. Vampires never said. You can cure vampirism. A lot with with like simple, normal human means. And also it really started establishing her ability to work with all these character actors because that was also that first time viewing going, wait, it's basically everyone's aliens. aliens. Yeah. Minus Sigourney. It was just such a... Paul Paul Reiser's running around there somewhere. He's one of the bar toughs. Got dispatched. <laughs> she goes, there's a fly on the ceiling. <laughs> ah, revelatory, revelatory. Now, her next uh, director's uh, duty was Blue Steel. With Jamie Lee Curtis? I'm pretty sure I saw that on an HBO. I'm sure I saw it too, but I don't remember it. That's just it. I have not seen it probably in 30 plus right. years. It just got a boutique Blu-ray release. I'm going to have to seek that out. I one. think it was one of those... Thrillers that I was like, she played a police officer. She gets some romantic entanglement shenanigans. Mm -hmm. It's it's I've heard it's quite good. But the one I will always go to back for. We did a Monday mystery movie night for it. uh, 1991's Point Break. One of the best. The movie is grand. I mean, you know when you know when everybody louds how you. It's one of the best action movies. One of the best bromance movies. And then people are making homage movies to mm-hmm. it. And like, look at whole, Hot Fuzz, the whole second half, right? <laughs> <laughs> and like, and then when you get a remake, I think that you know, like, okay, cool. No, that you're part of the cultural zeitgeist. Yeah, it, it's good enough to be remade, but you just can't perfect what is perfection. No, you can't top the OG. And it also is her, I think, peak just in terms of collaborating with those character actors because, of course, you got Keanu Reeves, mm-hmm. you've got Patrick Swayze, which, oh, good Lord. But you, it's Gary Busey, John C. McGinley, and then Tom Sizemore in a blink-and-you-miss-it right? little cameo. Again, character actors. Yep. I mean, this movie was... Stock and trade. Same thing with, I mean, by the writer of this of Strange Days is James Cameron, and yes. they work together a lot, but mm-hmm. again... They love them some character actors and they because they know, hey, we're going to put you guys in some over-the-top situations. We need you to make it real. Mm-hmm. You know, we need you to bring out the character. That's the thing. The, everything is, you mentioned in Near Dark, no mention of the word vampirism. Mm-hmm. It's grounded in realism. Yeah. And I think because of that, you are more invested in, like you said, the character. Yeah, it's, she's, it's, 
It's and Tim Thomerson is a character actor in himself. Fuck yeah, and I saw someone arguing whether or not Trancers is a Christmas movie. It's 100% a Christmas movie. Jack Death would have words with the... Exactly. It's exactly. upsetting. Now, should be noted, in 2008, she did receive her Academy Award for The Hurt Locker. Mm-hmm. I have seen that one. I haven't yet. It's intense. But here's the thing, though. Since she hasn't really veered back into... More genre fare. I have more highfalutin. Really, uh, right. I feel bad. I kind of feel like I've turned my back on her. Me too. Well, she's turned back on us. No, 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 no. no, no. But she, she's gone above and beyond. But almost like how people are always saying, like, I wish like Sam Raimi did a horror film every five or six years. Mm-hmm. Kind of same with Peter Jackson. Right. Same thing with Catherine Bigelow. Let her let make a genre. Come back kind and of make film. some genre. Yeah. Just give we, her like you know. 25 million character actors. Here's a crazy script. What's it about? I don't know. Rampaging bears or something. Cool. Set in the post apocalyptic oh. future. Hell, bet. Post apocalyptic animals run amok f- film? Wait, wait. I think that was Annihilation, actually. So that that uh, one has the crazy bear. Okay. Dystopian. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I want like a regardless. Beast morphian apocalypse. Given the fact that we took in a number of animals gone amok. Films this year. Give me a Catherine Bigelow directed one. I'm all for that. I would love to see Catherine Catherine Bigelow's Day of the Animals. (laughs) Now, talking about character actors, and I remember a number of them from just going, okay, yeah, I remember, yeah, yeah, of course, Ralph Fiennes, Ralph Fiennes, Mm -hmm. Angela Bassett, Juliet Lewis. But from the get go, and even in my notes, it's a number of, hey, it's that guy. Right? It's Mm -hmm. that guy. And I'll tell you what, one guy fucking stood out to me, and I'm like, whoa. It's D'Onofrio. Okay, so D'Onofrio and God love him, he'll always be my Thor. Yeah. <laughs> the OG. But he has just this knack for making anything sinister. And it's a talent, no doubt. Yeah. But it is his his presence. His physicality. Oh. His just his art overarching eyebrows is just like intense and stare. Whether his hair was slicked back or whether it was wild and ruly, he was intense. Yeah. There's at a point where he's literally dragging a dead body. He's covered in blood. Covered in blood. And he's just like, ah, and like, holy shit. I think you even were like, you even kind of look, he, he's kind of terrifying. He's terrifying. He? He's and scary. I when, mean, everything he does, even back in like in his uh, Men in Black, sugar in well, water. Just. It's nuts. But the problem is, though, he also showed how comedic he could be Mm because he's straight up hysterical in his physicality throughout that film. However, he doesn't get a chance to lean Mm -hmm. into that because they're like, oh, by the way, you know, you're you're, we need you to be scary at some point in time. Okay, Okay. you know, he's a good guy. Fucking Magnificent Seven. I think that bear just talked human talk. You know, when he comes out, he's scary in that. But he was cool. I mean, Jurassic Park. He was he wasn't a good guy in that one. But I mean, like. I don't know. Every time he comes out, it's like, oh, it's D'Onofrio. He's going to do something crazy. It, and you hire Vincent D'Onofrio. You get Vincent D'Onofrio. Exactly. Exactly. But then his partner in crime. Oh, my goodness. Quite literally, that guy, William Fickner. And he's always such a welcome presence in any movie. And if you know he's one of the bad guys and he's got a gun, that's not good. He has the absolute best delivery in any film I've ever seen in The Dark Knight. It was like... You and your friends are dead. <laughs> oh. You know whose bank this is? Whose money you're robbing? And he he enhances every scene, yeah. every movie he's in, and thankfully he's that peppered guy. throughout. Yeah, mm-hmm. but we've got a number of that guys going from Glenn Plummer, Glenn Plummer as Jericho one in this movie, and Glenn Plummer another that guy, and be it from Oz. Uh huh. To Showgirls. To fucking Mercutio. <laughs> he was Mercutio in fucking Romeo and Juliet. And Romeo and Juliet. He has a long, distinguished career. And then from, but the first guy that we see, the first initial for me, that guy, was uh, that guy from Ferris Bueller, that guy from all the Jim Jarmusch films. Uh huh. And that is Richard Edson. He was in fucking Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh, he was one of the. He was one of the Goombas. That's right. Okay, um, hanging around with Mojo Nixon and shit. That's an, that's and I've seen that for me. Really, really, I love that movie. I saw that theater. I'll go to the bat for that. I will go to bat to this day for the. Super I've heard Mario good movie. things about it. You just need to go in with not the baggage to right? go. Like you could do a double feature. I'm sure of the old school one and the new school one, mm-hmm. and get all the scratch the itches scratched for you. 
But he's been in everything. He oh, he's China Lake. Remember China Lake? I don't remember China Lake. With, what is China uh, Lake? With Dana Delaney. Or oh, China... on TV. Yeah. Oh shit! So he was a series regular. Uh huh. Good for oh, him. He was on there a lot. Uh, he was in Good Morning <laughs> Vietnam. Mm-hmm. No, he is literally that guy. That guy. But he's that guy in Ferris Bueller. He's like, uh, what country you think this is? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's. He's that guy. Yeah. Now, but the, for me, I think the piece de resistance was when when Nikki Cat shows up, right, as a goon, of course, as, as a grunge goon in this case, <laughs> or would it be an industrial goon? An indu- a rave goon, a rave goon, rave goon, <laughs> because he's got and and let's just say this right off the bat, uh. Holy Pager 911 Batman, this movie is so 90s. Super ultra 90s. It ultra 90s. Had, had I taken a swig of Surge and watched this it movie. It would have been fine. It would have been fine. You know, you because it seemed it seemed like, okay, we needed to be in the not too distant future. Just mm-hmm. basically take well, the 90s aesthetic and just let's really amp it up. Mm-hmm. Really amp it up. I was really waiting for people to run around going, extreme. You know, just because well, like. We did get some rollerblade action. We did get a lot of rollerblade action. <laughs> we, it's, but that's to be said, though. I don't want to say that as a bad thing. No. Uh, the cinematography by Matthew Leonetti mm-hmm. was spectacular for me, and it kept me engrossed throughout. Mm-hmm. The characters, of course, I was anticipating enjoying, but it was how it was shot. Uh, everything involved with it, I was just so impressed with because there were parts of it were very Fulci-esque or very Italian in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. There were they were definitely leaning into the neo neo noir. But also aspects. a lot it felt a lot of like um Neo forty second street. Because there was this really <laughs> even though it was set in LA, there was this really grit and grime. It felt almost like um you know how in the nineties, especially in the nineties when there was ever like cop or gang movies, mm-hmm. they really leaned into how bad everything was. Mm-hmm. And so like take that, amp it up to the next extreme and, because yeah, it's extreme. And like speaking of nineties, even the music the music was rad first it, of all oh but the music oh my super god super 90s super 90s from the industrial admittedly a lot, a lot of industrial which i rocked out to a lot of the rave which i rocked out to well the really weird connective tissue with this film in terms of like 90s music like incredible soundtracks and incredible movies is the fact that michael wincott is in this film mm-hmm who was in The Crow. The Crow, which is a great, another great, but super 90s, super 90s industrial oh, theme, metal, everything. Mm-hmm. and has an incredible like club scene violence. This movie also has that in, in just in so many wonderful amounts. Weird multiple club scenes, though, because they go to different and, clubs. They go to the industrial club, where like that one dude was like, I kind of like this place. Well, you know what? The place, I don't know if we would be regulars or not, but the retinal fetish. The retinal fetish. The retinal fetish. Let I'd us go. repeat that. I'd go. I'd go to the retinal fetish. Any That and the venue. Gothic Castle. Tell me where the magic happens. Right this way. Any venue that looks like you possibly have to like sign maybe... A s- waiver and get a tetanus shot. <laughs> and let me ask you this, though. Back in either 1990... Now, let's say 1999 appropriately... Would this be kind of unprofessional? A, would this be a kind of place that you would find yourself in? Back in 1999, back in fucking 2024, like fucking, I don't know, man. You can go there and like do all sorts of weird shit. Fucking paint, shoot people with paintballs. I'd do it. There were a lot of activities. There going was on lots there. of activities. I felt I, like stepbrother. Look at all this room for activities. There was so many different things going on. You can go to the, this room, that room, this room, you that room. No room. doubt had body painting going on. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All sorts of shit. There was like. We're sending almost super future of 1999 uh, Neo 42nd Street LA. There's some grunge shit going. Guaranteed down. though, man. The cool down tent had like Evian, you know, flowing mm-hmm. through there, and then and the really, tent, right? really good orange slices and for like, you. You really need to calm down. Just hold, just chill, just relax. Here, I'm gonna put on some Gregorian chants. You're gonna be fine. You're gonna, it's gonna bring you down. And then like you hear, hi, hi, it's okay. I got pure moods. It's right. It's okay. You're fine. You're fine. Then you can go out and party. You feel better. Oh and man, the return to innocence. Yeah. That's the best part of the. We talked about like the eclectic nature of the club, the eclectic nature of the soundtrack because it is loaded with metal and industrial. I saw Testament performing, and then and then pure moods, 
Additional music by Deep Forest. Deep Forest. And I couldn't remember. We were looking. I was like, okay, listen. I know you have made reference either on this show or on Media Rewind. Mm-hmm. Because I remember kind of laughing at it because, listen, I was We were raised- there. <laughs> we were there. That's the thing. It's like Homer Simpson said. It's funny because it's true. <laughs> and, man, oh, man. Back, unfortunately, in 95, this would have probably been kind of like not the peak of my rollerblading days, but- I was still yet to be hit my douchebag douchebag twenties, so uh-huh. I was still a little bit more innocent and naive. But, you know, I listened to a lot of music, and I was not open enough yet at that point. I think to accept the Gregorian chants, right? The fact that there was the tubular bells. Fuck all that noise with the tubular bells. I mean, that's what pure, I don't get. Pure moods is pure moods was wall, that's off also the wall. eclectic. It is. It was off the wall and wacky because you'd have it sail away, sail away, sail away, right? And then like. They return to end. And then, like, now you know what I wanted back in 1995, which hmm. I had no use for, was as uh, to use the parlance of one genius McGee, a giggity mix. Right? Because that's the pure move, because you put that sad theme. Right, that goes on. That's that's a '90s giggity mix. I feel a little uneasy here, right? genius. Did the did the lights just lower a little exactly. bit? You put on fucking you put on that fucking sadness part one. I feel like I should be lighting candles, like while soft lighting, and like fucking I just kind of fade away, and you see like like whispery, uh, like sheer cartons blowing in the wind. Is that a side hatch over there, genius? Oh my, that's awful. That is awful. And listen, we had to have a little bit of levity because Strange Days does not offer it's a about lot of levity. Snuff films. It's about fucking snuff films and race riots. That's when it comes down to it. <laughs> no, and you're not wrong. And that's the pro. It's that's what I think, especially as we were watching the movie multiple times throughout. I'm like, okay, when did the Rodney King? When did that happen? When did that like, occur? Right then, you know, like '91. Like this is like so, again from tragedy brings great art. Mm-hmm. I mean, look I at mean, all the shit that's come out of, out of the terrible situation, but a lot of the good stuff. That's well, come and out. that's just. I mean, the wound was still raw. Yeah, and to have, the, I would say, the cojones to actually approach it in such a way. But around that time, that's what it was about. I mean, mm-hmm. like especially we had movies like Strange Days. We had movies like Colors. We had movies like Do the Right Thing. Yeah. Everything after that, everything that at that whole time, because it was right after the riots in mm-hmm. '92. It mm-hmm. just seemed like the world was gonna explode. And what better time than to set it, going from. Back when we were in 95, we were around in 99. Which was another time when everybody thought the world was going to explode. So much uncertainty. So the fact that they were able to kind of parlay all that anxieties into something like, hey, by the way, if we don't take care of our shit in here in 95. Right. By the way, in 99, we have another whole bunch of anxieties that are awaiting us. And watching it now in 2023, going out into 2024, there's still a raw wound there. Well, see, you can even take the whole cyberpunk aspect out of it now, and instead of people jacking in, it's somebody with a cell phone, and mm-hmm. then you can tell the exact same story, story nowadays. And that's the sad thing about it. And that's the, especially right after the things we saw recently mm-hmm. with all of the Black Lives Matter, George, every... And it's still, even that happened two or three years ago, it's still talking in hot point right now if, where it feels like the world's going to explode. And that's, again, that's why I feel like not bad timing on Alex Garland for the new Civil oh, War the movie Civil coming War movie, out. Yeah. But I'm like, you might want to let us breathe a little bit. I mean, we already, we bring, give us a new Purge movie first. Right? <laughs> Read the room. Read the room. <laughs> right? Right? And we don't want it to be an instruction manual, okay? <laughs> However, so, though, but... and one of the things that they even mentioned in the film is maybe it's Maybe it's time, time for, for this. something to happen. Maybe and, it's time to let everybody know. And uh, you talk about like the idea of a purge and the idea of catharsis and what Hor does feeding the gator. Mm-hmm. And that is being able to achieve some sort of catharsis, but at the same time, ideally, opening it up and like facilitating the dialogue and the discussion yeah. of stuff that... You know what I was thinking also would play wonderfully as a double feature with this movie? Uh, they Live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and another one that still plays prescient in terms of like the anti-authority, the corruption from above, mm-hmm. and the I, I it's it. This movie is two and a half hours long. I was a little hesitant, not hesitant going in, right? But I was aware of it. But only a few times through the movie 
did I feel the actual length of the two and a half hours. But for the most part, it was brisk. And again, I, I give that credit to the cinematography, the actually that actually the investment of the characters. And Ralph is it Ralph or Rafe? Ralph Mr. Fiennes, Fiennes. Ralph Fiennes. I and we mentioned you mentioned like about halfway through. Oh yeah, it goes from this and becomes a rogue chef. And I was like, oh yeah, I had forgotten that he was in the menu from last year, which mm-hmm. was one of my biggest surprises. He's been contributing in genre for, for so long, a long time. And even Again, his character of Lenny, he's he's schmarmy, he's, so he's wonderful, <laughs> and he plays it so wonderfully. But from going to like. Schindler's List to uh, this to just oh, being in so being many like, different movies and he's isn't he just pure evil in Schindler's List? Uh-huh. You know, um, Schindler's List is some. I've seen that. Really, it's really good. I saw it in the theater. I know, I know, and I've but I haven't seen it since. But I it, that's just it. I know it's a tough watch, but he is one of those cats that he was fucking Alfred Pennyworth in the Lego Batman movie. Was he? Yes. Good on him. That Lego money is really good money, my friend. Of course, yeah, and good. then of course. As Lord Voldemort. He's the he's that shall not be named mm-hmm. for they that shall not be named with their franchise. <laughs> now, it's it's just nice to see him lean into what you t- again talk about Vincent D'Onofrio. You bring him in to play a Vincent D'Onofrio character. This is what basically Ralph Fiennes, Fiennes however, establishing the kind of character he yeah. could go on to really lean into. We need you to be an ex cop slash, for lack of a better term, drug peddler. Smut, Smut peddler. peddler. Yeah. Smut peddler. He's no Dino Velvet by any means, but. That was the other thing I remember in this movie is that element of ribaldness and tawdriness and the jacking in, the being Mm -hmm. wired in, and that next level of our relationship with technology. I can imagine Cronenberg having a swipe at a movie like this. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I like the way this thinks. This movie's got a lot of things to say, (laughs) but the fact that it is still quaint, that they're definitely still. Physical media, mm-hmm. it's discs, which I had appreciated, but then even that idea, like the contraption, again, be it Cronenberg, that thing would have been much fleshy, more, would have been pulsating, well, maybe veiny. existence kind yeah. of leans into that a little thing bit. With the jacking in, but I do like this. In fact, when we open up, it's you get rollerblading, and I, right off the get, and and this is also the introduction of Juliet Lewis's character as Faith. But I love the found footage opening where you're like, what the fuck? And it brings you, it really grabs your attention and sucks you into this, what is happening? Well, one of the things I know with like Catherine Bigelow is especially even in something like a Point Break where you have that um, almost point of view chasing mm-hmm. on that seems like a wonder. She does a lot of that with when you're wired in and jacked in. And it is that sensory overload experience. They said something along the lines of being uh, straight from the cerebral cortex. Yeah. Uh, uncut and it's very much leans into the you know the drug metaphor Mm -hmm. but it's also that addictive nature of technology being able Um, to live somebody else's lives then i even play a good future with the total recall mm -hmm. yes yes and you know have that guy strange days strange days strange days (laughs) i love that guy that guy (laughs) that guy that guy uh but we even get Little bits of exposition, which I appreciated, but at that point when he's at the actual um, the club, he's meeting with the client, and that's when we get not only a little bit of snippet of what it was made for and how it ends up on the streets, right? As something that was designed for undercover cops, and then it just bounces it leaked its way on the, the black market. But then that is when we are also then brought into another character actor. And that is one Tom Sizemore. With the weirdest fucking hair. It's unsettling. It is one of those things that's not necessarily an uncanny valley kind no, of thing. No, but it looks like he's about to turn into the cowardly lion. <laughs> it's mid, stopped mid-transformation. Like eh, It's like Rob Bottin was doing the special effects work for like a day and a half, and then he just stopped. And like, Come okay, on. you're done. All right, there's Tom Sizemore. Put him up, put him up. Split me like two coconuts even. And he also... <laughs> Has a tendency to play a certain type of character. To play kind of creepy, you're sleazy, you're something, and it's Tom, and it's like, hey, Tom Sizemore. I legitimately enjoy his work. I know he had some demons had off some, the screen. He had some rough stuff. And I'll be honest, I think sometimes those are what lead to really good performances in some of the films. Again, channeling. horror and tragedy mm-hmm. comes great art. Mm-hmm. But it is. That's why there's no happy comedian. No, there's yeah, there's. I don't think it's just a happy artist in general. Right. <laughs> Please support your local artists. 
But when he enters the picture, I had a little bing genius mm-hmm. moment come up going again. I haven't watched this movie in eons. Spoilers, but I, but I know I that kinda, he's going to be nefarious. He he can't be a, just a good guy, right? Even a peripheral good guy. He's got to somehow something's got to bat. Something's got to the shoes. The other shoe's going to drop. He's too Sizemorian. But unfortunately, then when you realize the kind of stuff that he's doing, that's making this smut peddler that's seen it all that doesn't like to do blackjack. That's the snuff stuff. Mm-hmm. This next level, like Inception esque, jack in where the person that he's assaulting sees through his eyes and feels what and they feels feel what he feels and it's crazy that is existential shit and that's when i'm like okay of all the character actors we have here assembled who's the most likely to probably do something like that and again listen i've got I've got D'Onofrio on yeah, the truck, and there. we've already established him as a bad dude, right? Mm-hmm. We've got Wincott, which, listen, we know, at least according to characters that he's played, if you go back to The Crow. Uh, uh, hey, ladies and gentlemen, my sister and lover by Lane. <laughs> what? <laughs> Gross. So listen, you've got the usual suspects of like scummy, known character actors. But you know that somehow Sizemore's going to be involved. He's going he's well, gonna, to gonna part of play, and especially... but. Before we go on it, because I, I didn't know that was your spoiler warning. But That's, before we go into it, um, I got to give it up to, for me, probably one of the best. And we haven't talked about her yet. Oh, no, we're saving. Angela Bassett is killer in this. And this is like one year removed from Critters 4. How wonderful, but yet crazy mm-hmm. is that? To have that kind of just a one year journey. And her journey actually through... Hollywood in general, because I just, you know, recently she received an Academy Award for Black Panther. Yeah. I mean, she is still working today, still kicking ass today. But oh, my goodness gracious, a 1995 Angela Bassett, not to get creeps and nostalgia. She is jacked. Ooh, she, her arms she are swole and whooping so She's much ass. ass in this. And it's a combination of the outfit and the costuming. That you know, she word? You know what one of her first roles were? What? She played in one episode of 227. Oh, no. I wonder who got her that job. Mary. God damn it. <laughs> well, that is to be said again in terms of a that, that gal character actor. Mm-hmm. But she's kind of also now, much like Ralph, an, extingu- an extinguished yeah. actor. And to see those starts in genre, be it, if you want to call it, elevated genre. Mm-hmm. But the fact that she leans into this character, and this is another one of those characters, she does the smallest little smile at the end of this one sequence, at the very end of the film, when she's kind of happy with Lenny, Lenny for a second. It's brief. You don't see it. And then it's gone. But it's awesome. And it's just those little things that she adds to the movie on top of just being just totally in control. And from the second she comes into the picture, I'm like, wait a minute. You're telling me. Juliet Lewis on this hand. Angela Badass Lewis. On this I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, I understand love loves, but Juliet Lewis did you dirty. And she did you hella dirty. Continuing. Ha- continuing to do, do you. In your face, maliciously doing you dirty. Maliciously doing you I dirty. A lot of line stepping in this case. Habitual. Habitual. And, and straight and, up saying, please stop. Right. And But going back to Angela Bassett, there was something when, one, when we we're first introduced to her and she's going through this whole like um, uh, tit for tat with uh, Lenny. Lenny. And where he's like, yeah, but you still love me. And she's pissed off. And then finally, like you could just see in the eyes, I, that was a little character beat like, <laughs> I love that. And then at the very end, when she's like, um, if you trade that tape, mm. all things love, everything I've lost is gone from you. Even makes mention like I do care about you more than you even know. Mm-hmm. However, what we have in our possession, what it can do, what it needs to, what needs to be done, is so infinitely more important than, than some you, like, me, faith, yeah. anything along those lines. And it weighs into the effect. This one definitely goes into the idea of morality and ethics. Um, there's a moment where she says something along the lines of. Are you actually listening to me or are you just waiting for the thinking of the next thing to say? And I'm like, aha. And that shows how long they've known each other. Right. Shows the nuances of the character. And even that flashback sequence, that little moment when you see him being a decent dude, 
talking with the kid, trying to keep you know his mind away from, away from all the, the horrible seems to be shit. At least yeah, somewhat like, hey, this is Lenny, and you see that that's where that bond started, that relationship started, mm-hmm. and you can kind of see like why she's so upset and why she has concern. Like I know. You're the capacity you have, and I hate to see it being wasted away As like that. As a smut peddler. <laughs> As a, and, and calling him out on it when she picks up the client in the limo. And that whole- Stop whole, doing that shit in here. And just for his whole shtick. Watching him work was yes. fascinating. <laughs> and, Watching him make those sales. <laughs> I'd buy something from that. I don't want to live people's lives like that. Oh, but and, like at the same time, like you, you drive a compelling bargain, Mr. Fines. Well, and- you talked about the idea of experiencing something that is a hundred percent real, without any of the, the inconvenience of experiencing it for yourself. I'd lie, I'd do it. No, that's just it. I'd do. That's it. just it. Of course, I'd be curious about that. Yeah. But how real can it be? Right. That's always the. the well, that's what we have going on right now with VR. Mm-hmm. There, everybody's trying to make the the more immersion, more immersive. Look at fucking Zuckerberg. He's like, we're all going to live in the metaverse. I mean, we've had stories. They're warning us about like getting into shit like this. I we just had a chance to watch a uh, video drone uh, mm-hmm. up on the big screen for Friday Night Frights. There's that moment when he does the the chest vagina, and that guy pulls out with, as ostensibly as a bomb, as a bomb, the grenade. But it's very much looks like in this case now, in the parlance of our times, a cell phone, mm-hmm. our connection, our our batteries, what keeps us going. If you know, God forbid. I leave the house without my phone. Oh, Ooh. I know. Day shot. I got to go back because everything's mm-hmm. gone. Because our relationship with this technology and that feeling of connectivity, even though it's just a piece of God, whatever it is that you know makes it work, mm-hmm. it's it's interesting in this case because I, like you said, I have that connection with it and I don't like it. That's one of those things I probably need to like do less of. Yeah, you know, in the long run. Yeah, me too. But it's also like don't get so involved with the technology that you lose sight of humanity and your connection to humanity exactly or being a decent human being it's remembering what it's like to be a human being and not something that you're just a slave to the technology Mm -hmm. a lot of prescient stuff happening in this one especially in 1995 this is right before internet access became something I think a lot of people were aware of. Yeah. Like it was working at that point. It was getting there, especially with movies like Hackers. Right? We knew about up. it, right? We knew about oh, it. Yeah, you can hack stuff. Yeah. yeah. The interwebs. <laughs> I've got this AOL disc. Yeah, I'm surprised we aren't using them as coasters to this 14 day. 14 free hours. Cool. That makes me, I can look at three pictures. <laughs> but they were tr- they were looking forward. They had an idea of what the good things that can happen from it mm-hmm. because there's that moment when he's talking to his he's involved somehow with the production or this or that but the guy that didn't have any legs in the wheelchair he's like i found something special you're gonna for like you. and it's just somebody running on the beach with their toes in the sand in the water and he's the you, happiest you cut to him and he's got the tear and you're like okay I could see it some could do very some good, good stuff to it, right. but then like anything else... It could be corrupted. Much like the internet. Yep. Made for good intentions. Made for great intentions and wonderful things, and it, like, it has the potential to do so much good. It could good. change the world. It absolutely could. It could make everybody happy. It could make a utopia. However... What is it loaded with? Porn. Smut. <laughs> Porn. The dregs of society. Argumentative it's, shit. Just it, terrible. And and that's where he kind of like, he's like, he's it says, I do not wallow into that kind of stuff. Right? That is the stuff I just do not want to associate with. Almost, I want to be a dealer of positivity in this case. Well, because he was like, when he was trying to sell the first dude, he goes, I know, it's, let's just try it first off and see what you think. And then he goes... And he goes, and that was, you're just only an 18-year-old girl taking a shower. And that guy, and, and he is, I'm not saying silently judging him, but he's having a laugh at his expense. Right? Because he's like, look at that, that dude. dude that dude is. Like, oh. <laughs> it's like, check, check. I mean. <laughs> That's what it was built for. That's unfortunately going back to. We're the, only human. <laughs> is that the argument, though, that to, to our human, our base human needs still separate us from our humanity, but this technology then like feeds into that? Give us a new tool and we're going to turn it into something great or turn it into something terrible. I mean, look at fire. You know what I'm saying? Thank What's, you, Prometheus. First thing we did was cook a meal and burn somebody's house down. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, like, it can do something great and something terrible. They were still trying to fry turkeys with fire back in the day. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> that thing's thawed, isn't it? Yeah, it's fine. Sure, sure. Whoosh. Damn it. <sighs> Sisyphus, go push up that uh, thing up. Go up the hill and get us another turkey. Again? Again. Damn it. <sighs> See, we can bring some class and, again, going back to the humanities. Right? <laughs> well, if we're talking humanities, we've talked a little bit about the soundtrack. Juliet Lewis herself, mm-hmm. I believe, performed all of her own vocals. And her band, mm-hmm. very much of the time. However, <laughs> there's this dude in the band. Okay, now it doesn't take a lot to get me. Not necessarily out of a movie, and unless if I'm engaged, but sometimes there's something on a screen, or somebody just takes my eye off of it. Or maybe when we need the levity because of right the, you know, or how something, much- something terrible is happening. Or like, for example, in Phantom Paradise, there's this guy, and you'll never unsee him, but he's looking right into the camera, and they make it a point. And he's like, "Oh, the camera loves me," right? That guy. There's this guy in this movie. Well, there's two. There's this mime that shows up in multiple places. Fuck that. Two mime. times. Great. Two times. Great. Right. Not that I'm afraid of mimes, but they're just annoying and they're lesser clowns. And I love clowns. Don't be an imitation clown. If you're gonna be a clown, be a clown. Second, like this guy, he's just not. This this guy, he's just he's a bald dude, which is nothing wrong because I fucking Mount Baldy, right? And he's playing the violin. Getting and, and, and cool he's violin cool player. Violin grunge player. Grunge player. Grunge. It. Dope. I dig it. But he's got this side ponytail, yeah. right? And if anything, we are side pro. We are Super pro, pro side, side ponytail, ponytail on this but show. But there's got to be the rest of the hair for it <laughs> to be considered a ponytail because there was just then this was just a lock, like a shit lock, just like because just this 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 hair and in what maybe about two inches wide, but just. Just flying, and just flying all over, and in time with the music mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm. So you're just like, what the fuck? You can't unlook at this guy, and he's sitting there in the background, and it's like it's this giant, like Matthias Hughes, <laughs> Norwegian <laughs> Viking bald man, with, who plays the violin with one long strand of hair coming out. It's distracting. It's off-putting. I actually couldn't stop staying. No. Every time he popped up in the screen, I'm like, like there, there he is. is. There he is. And just off the side. Like the fucking pro- Bigfoot tape. Like I just see like Bigfoot, bald Bigfoot with one. With, a whisper with one thing like, Ooh. <laughs> Well, and we lean a lot into, like I said, with the club scenes, we lean a lot into, and all good practical stuff. Yes. Uh, we've got actually. Stats are practical. A lot of chaos, yeah, too. Okay. A lot of chaos in this movie just chaos 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 and there's something too and i'm going to call it either the uh, complicity or the complacency of the chaos with our characters because they're just going along like it's like it's january you know december 28th 1999 and while the police are beating people down there are tanks in the street there are fires everywhere drug deals going on murders are happening they're not giving one second no just walking by walking by and that could speak either to, again, either the fact that it has been going on for so long that it is just everyday occurrence, or there is something to the fact that, no, this is, we need to speak up. Otherwise, this, it's again, again, the prescience of it, the cautionary tale aspect mm-hmm. of it, it's all around, and it's always on the peripheral, and you're just Everywhere. waiting for that powder keg to explode. Well, look at the fi- one of the final scenes when um, D'Onofrio is just shooting random revelers. Everyone in and, the crowd. And nothing is happening. Nobody's nope. freaking out. Nobody's getting pissed off yet, right? Nobody's like, mm-hmm. he's just like, pop, pop, pop. At least seven, eight in- innocent people got oh. gunned down by D'Onofrio. It was, in- it was insane. In the middle of New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are, I mean, at all points in this movie, heinous shit is happening and it's the heinous shit that is the precipice that is the smoking gun that is Mm -hmm. the MacGuffin, and is that clip of uh one of the girls that saw witness to the execution and murder of jericho one in this case performed by glenn Plummer, Mm -hmm. and it's i mean it's it's tough to watch. Yeah, it is. Because Especially after all the shit that we've seen. We, and that's just it. I mean... I mean, look at the shit. Because we've... Again, this... The the interface, the, the thing, is just a cell phone. Mm-hmm. It's just a 1997 that's cell how we, phone. That's how we got the mm-hmm. shit from the other perspectives. People, yep. from the from George Floyd on down, even down to the Rodney King. Mm-hmm. It wasn't someone, a cell phone. Someone just had a camera yep. and just recorded it. And... Again, it's these movies 
they played great back in the day, but they're playing even better and more scary and eerie or prescient nowadays because one, we've seen it before. Mm-hmm. It's cylindrical. It's mm-hmm. all back. Like, damn, I remember when it was like that and not much has changed. In fact, it's probably gotten worse. That's why ideally when I knew we were going to close out pretty close to New Year's, I wanted to rewatch this because mm-hmm. I had a feeling that it would probably delve into a lot of that stuff that is relevant again, yeah. as you mentioned. And it's a number of other elements that come into play with this film. Um, looking into this, we have... Oh, it should be noted. We had a brief discussion on whether we should offer a Yelp review. Yes, there and is indeed there a was, Yelp review. Well, the worst part of the Yelp review is it started with a little it bit It started of a, with the innocent Yelp review. So there's this junkyard dog... Rain comes barking and Angela Bass I got this and just squirts it with mace and the dog's like and then runs off runs away and so then we're like oh man what if we should do a Yelp review well like it's probably just water and he's a trained dog and we We should put a Yelp because it did go right the next thing you know here comes Nafrio and William Fitchner and then what does he do fucking shoots the dog point blank we're like well Yelp review it is and then we don't see it but as they're backing up we see this little dead dog carcass on the ground we're like oh and, no and listen in point break there is that scene where patrick swayze throws a dog at keanu reeves during that one foot chase right? so i don't know Catherine bigelow do we need to talk about but it Hate should be dogs. noted should be noted we waited till the end of this credits. no animals were harmed in the making of this film and it came at the very end because at a certain point i was like dude i haven't seen that yet and as if the gods hurt me bloop there you right? go, Greg. Everything is good. But yes, I think there's something to be said for her view on dogs, right? on canines. <laughs> the horrors of it. And speaking of horrors, one thing that fucking scared me, kind of D'Onofrio, um, there's a scene where she she's, thinks she's escaped the uh, D'Onofrio by hiding in the subway. But no, that doesn't do it for D'Onofrio. He breaks the... He runs along the subway. He breaks the window. He fucking breaks the window and he's pulling her out while he's running along the side of the subway, dragging her out across glass. And I'm like, fuck! Glass comes into play a lot because that scene where he takes the... uh, Glass on the arm. arm, On on the arm multiple times. broken table. Very visceral. That... That scene where he's running on the thing is fucking scary. freaking me out. I was like, holy shit, that's terrifying. Well, you always forget how nimble he is. Yeah. Number one. For a big giant dude. You've seen him always beefed up, bulked up. He's he's very much he, like a, a Bam Bam Bigelow in a way. He is. He's loud on you his feet. You could see him doing just somersaults and shit. Right. I guaranteed he could do a moonsault and perform one. I guarantee you he could do that. I want to see him fight Scott Atkins in his uh, John Wick fat suit. That'd be <laughs> rad. Uh, there is the appearance of a, a 90s Ford Tempo, which I was Mom, so happy to see. It was, you cheered. I did. I uh, I d- drove around in my high school years, into my skating years, uh, with the uh, the monomobile, as it was called. It was this old Ford Tempo, red, fucking just, just like that one. So that popped up. I was like, oh, you, again, talk about going back to 1995. There's my car. I was driving that in 1995. But it's Sizemore's car. Oh. oh. <laughs> But we've got some rollerblades for you. Hey! But they're neon and lightnings. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's this movie kind of took me on a journey in a lot of ways. Oh, one thing for forgot: uh, the violiner with the side ponytail. Like <laughs> he's over there and is playing oh, along, no. and he's just having a good time. And then all of a sudden, boink! It just breaks. Well, it started with me saying, "I was like, you know what? I can totally see him at a certain point taking his hair and playing it with the violin, using it at its, as its bow, right?" And then I think at the same time, then blink both of us. <laughs> Our next song's titled Crambone. <laughs> blink. <laughs> and yes, the giggles you hear now are the giggles that were happening at that particular time. Because unfortunately, <laughs> I made it again. The benefit of watching these films at the same time, when those little monstrous moments happen, at least we're there. I also will say, I will. He sets the fucking cadaver, sets a car on fire. Oh, people are in it. That whole sequence from the the fire on the car to the underwater being submerged thing? underwater. Yeah, it was dope. Mm. But mm. Dina- <laughs> whenever D'Onofrio and Fitchner, Fit- Fickner. Fickner are in the same scene together, or they're, if they're partners, that's bad news for everybody mm-hmm. involved. That's bad I, news. I recently watched um, Cruising for the first time, and it opens with a pair of cops, one played by Joe Spinell. 
Oh, boy. Exactly. And the other one is that guy, not Ed French, uh, but he's the gas man in Dumb and Dumber. He's oh, that in, dude. Okay. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. There are corrupt cops in there. So it is wonderful when you get a pair of character actors to play these corrupt cops and just let them lean into. But they are like beyond corrupt. They are just They're evil. monsters. Yeah. And, and what's inter- almost nonstop because they just keep coming at you. Very Terminator-esque mm-hmm. in a way. But what was interesting, though, is the fact that there is this whole idea that there's this huge conspiracy happening. And no, it just ca- happened by old-fashioned profiling, random thing, and then just pure evil mm-hmm. in this case. No big monstrous conspiracy, shadowy government. This is not your typical, like, cyberpunk movie and i wouldn't even go i mean you have to call it cyberpunk it's because it's futuristic the and the thing but like it's still like this weird prescient morality social justice tale and that's what good genre can do because at the mm-hmm. same time i was constantly entertained absolutely and that's entertained. the thing that carried me throughout and then at the same time i can appreciate and look at it and go yeah it has something to say it has something that still needs to be said still mm-hmm. needs to be discussed otherwise I don't want to watch this again in five years. God damn, it's gotten worse. Right. I would love to go, finally, we can now look back and say, hey, this is what it was like. Let's just keep it as something that's on the screen that we can view as cathartic because people like Catherine Bigelow can weave just these majestic tales. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was, I, I like I said, I'm glad we ended up doing this one because I know it's not horror. But based on a lot of the stuff we do, it's straight up genre. There's enough horror but, elements in it where it works. Oh, completely. Completely. The anarchy scene at the end. Oh, oh. Chaos, chaos, chaos. Well, you've got, and even like the, uh, the the scene that really, really kind of like affected me was the beatdown of Angela yeah. Bassett's character. With all the chaos happening. It's, I mean, listen, it's shot dramatically. Mm-hmm. But again, we've seen that stuff, and we know the fallout of that. And there was the reprise from it. And the good thing, I guess, with this film is that it does end kind of positively. Right, that like, lo- love can conquer, and there was no, like, the cops. There's good cops and bad cops. Mm-hmm. And, like, it kind of ended on this, like, there's shit in this world, but there's also some good stuff. Like, there's a gray area. Well, in a river of shit, find the thing that you can cling to. Yeah. That you're just, you know, you're going to be rolling in the river of shit. So mm-hmm. it's, and we talk about finding your film family. Yeah. Your goof crew. Those people that you can turn to, you know, and just know they got, this the podcast, our, our, our pallies. Yeah. All of that is, Jesse throughout a, I think it was Jesse on, on Twitter about, you know, your importance and just how much you are loved and appreciated, man. And I don't know, it's like movies like this that are a reminder that that is very important. And that's how we get through. The stuff like this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, like I said, I was, by the time you do have the blood soaked in off, you're dragging Fickner. The, Fickner going out the way he did, not shocked with that character. Right. But, but then when he's just pulled, just he's, covered in blood. He's just, doing a, ah. he's doing, he's doing a pinker, a horse pinker with that mm-hmm. little drag. <laughs> Dude, the D'Onofrio. <laughs> oh no. Cause he was great in cell too. Yeah, he is. I forgot how creepy he was he's, in cell. He's, 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 oh, he's always good. Everyone involved. Brought their A game. Mm-hmm. Everyone. And it shows. It's oh. a fun, dour. Yes. Well, it's nihilistic, but at the oh, same yeah. time, but it's hopeful. It ends with a little bit of a sliver of hope, mm-hmm. and that is to be said. That's what I really appreciated because throughout the movie, I'm like, because I, I remembered uh, Sizemore being the the next level. When so the reveal with Faith, I had forgotten about that. That that whole last clip that he shows where they're just assuming, oh no, he's doing the point of view rape thing, killing thing again. And surprise, sensual, and, and I was like, "Damn it!" Whoo! And that's when I was like, "Oh, I've forgotten about that." And then you get the the comeuppance and this and that. But yeah, no, that's it was a nice return to movie. It wasn't the first time viewing, but it kind of felt it felt like it like a first time. I know I, it's been at least ten years since I've seen it. I said at I, it's least probably twenty to thirty years. From yeah, me. it's just because I was. I'm pretty sure I was. Why would I have gone to it? It wouldn't have been for fun. Well, I know but... people put it on their uh, New Year's rotation. Yeah, got 200 cigarettes, mm-hmm. New Year's Evil. That actually, you could do, that's an interesting little genre because that's a horror comedy and then this. This. Action. Action. 
uh, dystopian. Dystopian. Uh, I, I I really dug it. I really dug it. Uh, final thoughts. Um, let's see. Memories are meant to fade. Can't let go of a promise. Uh, Iris is having a bad day. <laughs> Squidly diddly. Oh, superconductor quantum interface designer. Squid. And it always starts with a squid, but then eventually. And then I was like, whoa, it is squiddly diddly. Had it been. And, and this is why I think any other film, this is why a movie like this, depending on the filmmaker, could turn completely different, but their own little, you know, take on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, a different kind of squiddly diddly. Oh, it, it stayed up on the, the scalp VR in this case. squiddly diddly. <laughs> no, that's about it. Stodnofrio is scary. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting way, I think, kind of, to close out the new year, Mm -hmm. in a way. Absolutely. Again, river of shit ends with a sliver of hope. And again, I think that's a good metaphor for most years. We can end with a glimmer of hope, sliver of hope, moving on to the next just to make it through and keep going. And hopefully no snuff films will run afoul. (laughs) Be you subscribing to Dino Velvet or, you know, whatever things we're using here. No, I, I will just say this, man, like... With New Year's Eve, and again, looking forward to next year, uh, mm-hmm. in 2024, um, I think we might actually possibly hit episode... No, 500, I think, 500 be, is going to be 25. Yeah. We'll still have a lot to look forward. And again, it's movies, yeah. moments, and memories that start from here and don't end with here, though, that extend beyond that. But I will say this, in terms of keeping myself accountable, trying to make, even if it's a smidgen of forward progress, I need you to he- keep me accountable you know, our listeners to help keep me accountable. I need myself to keep myself accountable. So mm-hmm. if anything, thank you for that. Thank you. Of course, of course. So that being said, um, I'm actually really looking forward to January's lineup. January's going to be cool. Have it's we, be some, we, we've never done anything like we, January. Yeah, this is going to be a first timer. In fact, I think almost all of them will be first time viewings for me except for one. Uh-huh. I'm very much in... If anything, I'll just say this. We're breaking it out. Uh, we're going to watch this one because we can break out a certain accessory that mm-hmm. we haven't been able to break out in a while. So, um, Grab your pencils, kids. <laughs> until next year, uh, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Yeah.